and action. Hi, welcome to One Tribe. I am Melissa. I'm Justin. I'm Christine. I'm Anthony. And we are joined by a very, very special guest today. We have Kara Greenberg, who Hi. is the reason why Justin and I have Olivia. I owe it all to her. Yes. Kara, how are you? I'm great. It's so good to see you guys and to be here. Thank you for being here. Um, you have a company called The Adoption Insider, and you actually just told me something really interesting when you walked in that you're not just doing adoption now. You're also adding surrogacy to that. Is that correct? Yeah, so I um, have a company called The Adoption Insider, and as you guys know, it is all things adoption-related, meaning that I help people navigate through the process of adoption. Um, I also work as an attorney for a company that does surrogacy. So we oh. work with surrogates um, in, you know, all over the place and advocate for their rights. And it's also very wonderful, very similar, but also very different than adoption. It's interesting because like we said on the last podcast, I, um, when Justin and I decided that we wanted to adopt, we had no idea where to start. We were like, okay, we Googled adoption, a bunch of things came up and, we didn't know what was real, what was fake, was this how like what's going on with all of this information, and we were directed to you, and um, you came over to our house and navigated like the whole journey for us, and it I could not tell you like how helpful it was because she broke everything down and told us exactly like what was going to happen and the whole process, the whole journey. I mean, Justin, what do you do? You have anything to add to that? Yeah, exactly <laughs> what you said. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess just if you could tell people, like, sort of, you know, what it is exactly that you do, and, like, I don't know, because it, it was, like, three years ago almost, which is crazy to think about. <laughs> well, because we had no idea the difference between adopting through an attorney, adopting through an agency. There's so many different ways that you can go about it, and you just gave us all of the information that we could possibly need. So when you go over to someone's house, yeah. can you kind of tell us what happens and, and kind of guide us through that journey? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Sorry. Um, well, well, first of all, I am adopted. Right. So adoption has been a lifelong journey for me. Um, I'm constantly learning new things about adoption. Um, I'm very in the adoption world, in the community. Los Angeles has a lovely adoption community here um, that I learn new things from all the time. Um, but I started the Adoption Insider because I felt like, just like you guys are saying, when people go to adopt, there's so many different options that they can, so many different roads that they can go down that it's often hard to figure out what to do. And because they don't exactly have the information, um, and they don't know the source of that information, it's hard to figure out, like you were saying, what's real, what's fake, what you can trust, what's the curated information. So even when they chose an attorney, like you guys did, um, to adopt, or an agency, um, there's so many options of how to make that choice, what questions to ask, and because you don't know what you don't know when you start the process, um, it's hard to know what you don't know. So I basically take all of the different factors um, and break them down in a very kind of roadmap way. So I say, okay, here are your options. Here's what to expect if you go down this route. Here's what to expect if you go down this route. And we look at it from an emotional perspective. We look at it from a legal perspective, from a financial perspective, and sort of an all-encompassing roadmap to the process. Which is 
was so helpful because I know for us, like, we had no idea what questions to ask. When we were calling these <laughs> lawyers and these agencies, we were like, okay, so what do I say? Like, you just call and you're like, hi, I want to adopt a baby. <laughs> right. Like, right. like hi, so can strange. you give me a baby, please? Yeah. Like, It's like you don't even know what you're supposed to know or ask at all. Yes, but thankfully start? for Kara, we had a whole list of questions that now I knew, okay, so this is what I need to ask. This is what I need to be ready for, prepared for. This lawyer is going to say this. This lawyer is going to say that. And it really was a roadmap and, and it guided us and helped us figure out how to do the whole thing. And then you were just with us the whole time throughout the whole journey. So it didn't just end there on where to start. Like she was just a part of the whole process. And um, I mean, one of the things that I think is most interesting about you and your story is that you are adopted. And I mean, can you tell us about your journey as an adopted child and like just how, and, and, and into adulthood? And can you give us some advice on how to do it? <laughs> Well, let me just say that your child and children are so lucky that you are adoptive parents who are asking for advice. That, you know, as a foundation is the most amazing thing. Um, that you're open to learning, that you're open to finding community, that you're open to talking to people who can tell you about, you know, what to do and what to say and how to behave, you know, when things can be complicated. Um, I was adopted at birth. Um, my birth mother was really young. I always grew up knowing that I was adopted. I also have an adopted brother who's two years younger than me. Um, so we were an adoptive family, but you know, it didn't come up um, so much during my childhood. I really started exploring adoption when I really came to Los Angeles about 10 years ago. The adoption community in LA is very vibrant. Um, there's a lot of different uh, players. Um, that we have a group, actually, as an example, um, called the Constellation Group, where we have birth moms, adoptive parents, and adoptees coming together once every three months to talk about stuff that comes up. Um, it's the only group like it in the country, I believe. That's really cool. I'm writing this down right now. <laughs> Sign us up. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but um, it was started by this woman named Jeanette Yoff. You should definitely have on this show. Oh, yeah. She's um, a former foster youth and adoptee, and she has dedicated her, her life, her professional life, to um, adoption and foster youth and adoptive families. And she runs this group through an organization called the Celia Center. They put on adoption workshops, art fairs, plays, theater, all from oh, adoptees, yeah. making art. I mean, it's such a huge, beautiful group That's that amazing. I just love it so much. That's really cool. Anthony, yeah. did you write that down? I did. Okay, so, good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll check it later. But. So, so you always knew you were adopted mm -hmm. growing up, and do you feel like there was ever a, a time where that was like, that you felt uncomfortable with that, or it was because you always like, because it was always just a normal thing that it didn't ever feel weird to you? It didn't ever feel weird to me because my parents had normalized it for mm -hmm. us, you know? So because we grew up knowing it wasn't like, okay, we're sitting down now, we're gonna have a conversation. And it's, you know, it wasn't like that. Um, it was just sort of a fact of my life and a fact of our family. And people ask me all the time, they say, what does it feel like to be adopted? And the answer is that I have no idea what it feels like to be adopted because I don't know, I don't know what it's like to not be adopted. Right. You know, yeah. it's, it's a part of me. So it's everything and nothing kind of at the same time. Um, when I was 35, my birth mother uh, found me 
um, through a private investigator. And so we had a reunion, and I reunited with my birth mother's side of the family. And I wow. have two birth sisters. Wow. Um, they live in Nashville. Yeah, so oh. I've been in touch with them. That's so interesting because I'm curious about that with Olivia, because uh, it's sim similar to yours, where, but she, but Sophie is is biological, you know. Um, but I'm curious, like, if Olivia in the future will, will want to have a relationship with her her um, her biological siblings. Yeah. Did you did you have that like before they found you? Did you have that like desire to search for them? I did. Um, I think every adoptee, on some level, thinks about their biological family. Um, we call it the ghost kingdom in the adoption community. You have this, you know, psychological presence of a birth family. Whether you ever know them or not, you know, they're there. You know as a fact of your life that you've been you know, separated from a birth family. And it doesn't mean in any way that you don't love your family or that you aren't grateful and happy that you were adopted. It doesn't mean any of those things. It's just sort of a fact of the matter. I think it, someone told me once that 100% of adopted children, it might have been you. you? <laughs> I was going to say. I think, I think it was you. They, they look for their, whether it's like on they Facebook. They think about it. Yeah, like yeah. It's in some way, whether or not they pursue it, is another story, but they always like it's tugging at them. Yeah, their whole life. And so, did you have any information about your birth mother before she found you? I didn't really. I knew that she was really young, um, and I thought that she was Italian, which turns out she is. Um, but I had a closed adoption, so the, that's where the identity of each other is not really known. Nowadays, most every, all adoptions are open mm -hmm. because there's been a lot of studies about how open adoption really benefits all parties, the adopted child, the birth parents, as well as the adoptive parents. So I didn't really know that much about her. Obviously, I found it a lot more. I also found out a lot more about my birth father through her because she has a story about my birth father that's specific to their situation that I wouldn't even know even if I found out some you know, statistics on a piece of paper. That's so interesting. Yeah. So you like have a whole like story, a whole like, you I know everything. I figured out like, for, at least from her perspective, what the story was. And the thing is, the story isn't something that you get on the, a piece of mm -mm. paper. If you, even if you get non-identifying information or like if you see a file, you know, from an agency, there's no personal story yeah. there. Did you ever, do you, have you ever had contact with your birth father? I've never found him, no. Wow. Yeah. I think he, I don't know. I don't know where he is. I've looked, I've looked, but I have not been successful in finding him. Well, it's interesting because we all know our, our child's birth mother yeah. and father in some capacity. And so um, I always like, it's weird because I go back and forth because like I've said on the last podcast, I had such a close relationship with Olivia's birth mother throughout the whole process. Like, and I feel like she's part of my family. She's part of my journey. Like, I feel like she's a little sister to me and I like always want to like take care of her cause I love her so dearly. And it's, it's interesting because the back and forth of like, sometimes she wants to be in our life, sometimes she doesn't, which is totally normal, but it's like, I always wanna make sure that she's okay and taken care of. And most of that is because I want Olivia to be able to have access to her if she has any questions or anything like, 
even though it kind of makes me want to cry because I'm like, but I'm your mom. When you, you said something earlier about uh, in your family growing up, uh, adoption was sort of normalized to you. Would you say, considering your family's like uh, story, was, was there a conversation that you felt um, sort of sparked that when you were growing up that your parents had with you, or like, or even aside from your situation, like, do you feel like there is not a right way, but like a most suggestive way, like how do you break into that? Because it's different with every family. For us, Isaac will at some point realize he's not white. Right. You know? <laughs> People are like, what are you going to tell him? We're like, well. well, let's just see if he figures it out. Uh, but no, and like, and for some families, like it's, it's very, it's like, you know, it's up to the parents to have that conversation because the kid might take a while to realize it. So just based on your story and, and you know, you professionally what you see, I think it's a really good question. I, I don't think there's any um, standard right way to quote unquote normalize it. I think each family is different and each child's needs are different. I do think again that the best thing that you can you guys can do what you're doing is to be open about the adoption and open about the facts of your family. I think it's really important to be part of a community where there are other families that look like your family, um, other mm, families good. that have the same experience as your family. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I can't point to a conversation that kind of normalized it for me. Again, I grew up knowing, um, but I think, you know, there's, it's important to have adoption language normalized in your family. Mm -hmm. So even if your son or your daughter is like, oh, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> you know what? They're not going to want to talk, you know, they're kids. Like it's right. the last thing on their mind. But if you guys show them that you are okay with it, and it's not in any way uncomfortable for you, they will take your lead. That's what I have learned. Like, the kids are always gonna take the lead of the parents. If they feel like it's a safe space to bring it up if they're confused, or bring it up if they're wondering, or bring it up if they have questions, that's the best thing that you can provide for them, is a really like safe, comfortable space because you've modeled that you're okay with the conversation. Even if they tell you a hundred times out of a hundred and one, I don't want to talk about this, it's that one time where they're going to ask you a question or something's going to come out of their mouth and it's going to be random and you're never going to be able to predict the question. It's mm -hmm. never going to be what you think. Right. But it's going to start a conversation that if you hadn't been comfortable and you hadn't brought it up, it wouldn't have happened. That's great advice. You had a sign in your house. I remember you telling me this. It was something that your mom had a... Such a good memory, Melissa. I'm so impressed with you. <laughs> no, I, I always remembered it was something that... And it was just always up in your house. And you were... So it always just felt like it was... It was, it was a poem. Mm -hmm. And it said... It was a, a, like a quilted poem. I, I don't know how to explain it. But it was up in our house and it said, Not flesh of my flesh, nor bone of my bone, but nevertheless my very own. Aww. Wait a minute. <laughs> don't forget for a single minute you weren't born under my heart, but in it. And I can't believe I just said oh. that on this podcast. Wow, that's amazing. I, I love, love that. that. We need to write that down. Yeah, oh, I just always, beautiful. I remember like you telling me that. And I was like, we need to find something in our house and like put it up so, so that she knows. But we, you also referred us to so many great books that we read, like children's books and also some books that I read um, during the adoption process when we were waiting to get Olivia. You know, it's funny. One of the things that I was thinking about with you guys, um, or sorry, with you guys, oh, both of you actually, um, 
Jeanette, the woman I mentioned, she does things like she comes up with narratives for families who have one biological sibling and one adopted sibling about how do you talk about that? How do you talk about adoption versus biology in a way developmentally appropriate for the kids mm -hmm. as they're growing up that helps them understand it? Yeah. So yeah. I always think that's such a beautiful thing for families to do, even if they just do, you know, let's sit down, like, tell me about, again, the language. Like, adoption is a language problem. Nobody knows how to talk about adoption. Yeah. I feel like it's still kind of, like, in the in the closet, for better or worse. And yeah. Yeah. people, and I just want to commend you guys for being so out about it and so transparent. I think it's so helpful for so many people to see models of adoptive families that, you know, are all different kinds of adoptive families. So, on behalf of all of us, <laughs> I really know it's it's really important. Well, for and I me, just, like I thank you for like offering, like giving that advice to us from the very beginning. Because a lot of people, I feel like even in our family, they're like, "Are you gonna tell her that she's adopted?" Right. Yeah. It's weird because Olivia looks just like us, so if we could like never <laughs> say does. anything, and then it yeah. would be like, "Oh, like yeah," and it would be weird. But then well, that's what I was yeah. gonna yeah. ask because, I mean, most our situation is different because Olivia looks exactly like Melissa. Um, which is cool and like <laughs> weird and crazy. crazy. Yeah, yeah. But like, I feel like even the other day at dance, like we were talking about there was a newborn there, and we were talking about like germs and all this stuff. And I'm saying, <laughs> well, we had to take Olivia like home on a plane like a week after she was born, right. and from like Dallas. And the girl was like, "Wait, are you from Dallas?" And I was like, "Oh, well, Olivia was adopted." And, and like, I, it's kind of like I feel like there's this weird stigma still to it, like where. But for me, like that. Like, it's so beautiful. Like, that's how we got Olivia. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, she's mine, and that's her story, and that's, like, her journey. But I guess I was going to say, is that, like, is it weird to be, like, oh, well, she's, adopt like, adopted? No, like I think it's, I think it's amazing. I mean, again, I think it's amazing that you're so comfortable with it, that you're out about it. I think when she gets a little bit older, you know, have a conversation that, that includes her about when people bring this up or when this comes up, like, how, how would you like us to handle it? Yeah. Do you, you know, because... It's your story and it's her story. So yeah. if all the parties are, you know, respectful of each other's stories and say, okay, do you want, you know, daddy to talk about your adoption story? I love talking about it, but yeah. if, you know, yeah. if you don't want to talk about it, let me know. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I kind of feel like sometimes I get a little, not uncomfortable, because I'm not uncomfortable with her story, because I think it's such a great story, but... I also, like you said, it is her story to tell eventually. Mm -hmm. And the hard part is, is that it's all online now. Like her story is like very Googleable. Like it's like very, it's just, and so sometimes I feel bad because I'm like, what if she doesn't want to tell that story right now and someone finds out about her story? And like, I guess it's weird sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I like, guess for me, it's like, it's no different than saying like, oh yeah, Sophie was born at Cedars. Like, it's like, it's right. just, she's ours. They're both yeah. ours. And like, we just got them two different ways. Right, I, so, yeah. but to the point, like, I feel like it's like better now, but I feel like there's still this weird, like, oh, like, should we be talking? Like, should you be saying that in front yeah, of her? Yeah, again, because people don't know how to talk about it. Yeah. And when you model that you're so comfortable with it and that you're so fine with it, then people get more comfortable. So I think the work is really important of talking about the story and doing it in such a way that you're doing it, which is, this is just a fact of our family. This yeah. is how our family was formed, and it's beautiful, yeah. you know, and it's different, but it doesn't mean that it's any less beautiful. That's so interesting, because, like, I always think about, like, the preemptive, like, the do-gooder neighbor who, like, puts their foot in their mouth and, like, says something, like, <laughs> like you know, like, especially with your guys' situation, like, if it was, like, even a friend or it could be, you know, a fan or whatever, and someone happens to say something just without thinking about it, it's like, you always wonder, like, 
when's, when's the right time to have that conversation first or bring it up first so like it comes from us first rather than the kid like being mm -hmm. blindsided by this moment at whatever age that could possibly be and I don't know that I mean have you guys had and is there is there sort of a time like is there an age that they've found that you know is the best age to start those conversations or I mean really? for us and I know you probably have a much better answer but it's kind of like what Justin said like we like even for Christmas I'm like okay let's go let's go get Christmas presents for your birth mother and your um, your siblings like we all we go Christmas shopping for them like we it's kind of, they're always kind of part of the conversation and we send them gifts and like. I'm like, oh, your birth mother. Like, I kind of, I don't bring her up a lot, but like sometimes when it, I feel like it's appropriate, I'm like, I want her to know that there's, I, and I phrased it kind of in a way, there's so many people that love you, like so much. And like, we kind of always just are pretty open about it. I read her books. We have this, um, a couple books that Kara recommended and we read the books and like, I'm like, this is how you came to my, we got in an airplane and we went and got you. And like, there's one about a fox that I love. I forget, it's like, um, what is the one that's the fox that I love so much? I'll, I'll, I don't know. I'll link, I'll link it in something. But, yeah. <laughs> but I kind of we always kind of just talk about it. Yeah. Like it's not like a secret. I think that's I amazing. I mean, I think again, you're normalizing it for her. And I think as she grows up, you know, she's gonna have questions that you guys didn't think about, or she'll mm -hmm. ask things in a different way. Um, but there's no exact right time. It's always follow the lead of the child. But again, that's if you, what I was ask. yeah, if you if you provide that safe space so they're comfortable with it, they'll be comfortable to start asking the questions, and then you can follow their lead. Yeah, that's advice that we were given before we even met Isaac or knew about Isaac was just talk about adoption. Don't let the word adoption be taboo in your family in your household. Like it's not a weird thing. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful part of your family. And also, like, don't give them too much information, but be very okay with giving them information. When they want to know more about the family, give them that information. So what do you, you think that's a good idea I think that's, a, that's great advice. I think absolutely follow the lead of the child. If it's getting into territory that you don't know how to answer the questions, or it's a complicated question, or you're not quite sure how to phrase the narrative of how your family formed, um, there are people who can help you with that too, you know, for developmentally appropriate stories and language. I think we're going to need that. Yep. <laughs> because you know, like, I'm like, everything's been so smooth up to this point, but like, Olivia just feels like she was born in my tummy too, just like Sophie was. Like, she doesn't understand that concept. Do you feel, like, it's weird because Melissa, like, legitimately, like, sometimes doesn't realize it. Yeah. Like, I think she thinks she birthed Olivia. Well, Olivia's, is, like, more she like, looks like Yeah. Well, Olivia, like, acts her. like me. Like, I'm like, oh, she's the same kind of, like, we have the same personality. It's weird. It's like, weird we have, like, she's way more, I understand Olivia way more than I do Sophie <laughs> sometimes. Sophie's exactly like me. Like, it's so weird, and I have all of the memories of being in the hospital with Olivia. Yeah. Like, I felt like I gave birth to her. Like, yeah. I would have the hospital, the wristbands, and all of this stuff. Like, it feels... I don't feel any different. Like, although sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, we had to get... I mean, I know that she came to us differently, but, like, she really was, like, in... She's born in my heart. Like, I feel like there's no difference between the two And that's funny, because everyone asks that, right? Everyone mm -hmm. already asks us. Like, how are you going to deal with the fact that what if you're closer to your biological child or you have a closer yeah, bond? No. We're like, there's it's so no weird. way. It's such a myth. It's yeah, such a it myth is. of adoption. I mean, honestly, there's like five massive myths of it. that's one of them. Yeah. That the adopted parents are somehow like not going to bond with the child because the, ch the child is adopted or if they have a biological child and an adopted child that 
the biological child is going to be closer. Mm -hmm. And the, the fact is, it's not true, because every child is different, and so whether they're adopted or not, it's kind of irrelevant, but a lot of people say that they, they bond in ways with their adopted child that they don't with a biological child. That's, that's so funny, because <laughs> like lately in the past, you know, we're due in, in less than two months, and uh, the past couple weeks, I've been having like this really weird feeling. Like Isaac's like my best bud. Like <laughs> we're like we're it, like you know obviously he's my son, but like it's just like this you know inexplicable thing. If you're a parent, you know just like how close you are to a child. I'm I'm kind of now having the opposite. Like oh my god, <laughs> what if I'm not like I don't feel the same close connection with our biological child yeah. that I do with our adopted child? And obviously, like again, that's one of those things. Just ridiculous kind of we were talking about in the last episode about like as a dad you don't have that connection like that the, the mom might have like through pregnancy um that's kind of like my fear now is like is this is, am i might have to work extra hard and not let like the biological child be like an outsider it's like this weird <laughs> that balance. is that is interesting yeah i don't know because i was i mean with like so i don't like with sophie what can we say on air? No, no, no. With Sophie, like, it's funny because, like, with, with Sophie, I see myself, but with Olivia, I see myself, too. Because I was thinking about the other day, like, the nature versus nurture type stuff. Like, I see, that's why, why it's so weird that she's not biologically ours. Because I see, like, she, the stuff she says is, like, Melissa will say something, like, that's why she says that like that. Or, like, that's why she gives that look. It's, like, she is, like, she's ours. And, like, she is, like, we've shaped her into, like... I don't know, it's weird. Like, I see so much of ourselves in her. When I was, um, like, I, I only made it to nine months of pregnancy or, like, eight and a half months of pregnancy, but, like, at the, towards the end, I would have, I would wake up in the middle of the night, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm having anxiety attacks, and I was like, I'm going to have two kids, but what about Olivia? I was like, but Olivia, like, she's like, it's kind of like what you're talking about. I'm like, but I love, I mean, I love Sophie so much, but, like, you have this bond with your baby, and you're like, how could I... Because you don't know that your heart just grows even yeah. bigger with the second one. But, like, you kind of went into one of the biggest myths of adoption. Can you tell us the other four? Sure. Um, the So, I won't do these in any particular order. Um, but a lot of people think adoption is impossible. It's really hard. It's not possible. Or how could I ever um, go through the process in a successful way? There's just too many obstacles and challenges. That is not true. If somebody really wants to adopt, it's always possible. It just matters what the right adoption plan is for you guys. I think that's so important for people mm -hmm. to hear. Because you hear that all the time. Yeah. Like, I consider it, but there's no way I can financially afford it. And I just answered a question last week on social media that we didn't think we could afford it either. Like We were wondering how the check's going to come through for this next Bill. Yeah, I mean, that was my fear about adopting first. It was like, you know, pregnancy, like, it seems so unmanageable with, like, insurance and stuff like that. But, like, with adoptions, like, our, like, being in our mid-20s, how the heck are we going to come up with, you know, Whatever. you always hear, like, 30 grand on up or, like, these insane numbers. Well, one of the things, too, that I actually just found out, ask your company that you work for. <laughs> a lot of companies are more than willing to help you out. Um, yeah. There's also a tax rebate that you can right. get. The, the government will help you out That's a little true. bit. But, um... Yeah, ask, ask your, your company, people that you work for, because sometimes they are more than willing to help you out, and um, a lot of people don't know that, so I think yeah. that's important. And also, you pay for it in, in levels and steps, so right. you know you can always come up with a creative way with whatever adoption professional you're hiring to work out a payment plan or work out a creative way to kind of start paying for the adoption. Say so you're listening, and, and you're hearing this, and you go like, yeah, well, like, 
all those factors you just talked about in that second myth are are things I fear. Like, what would you say? You have someone who who really wants to adopt. Maybe they've even they've come to that. Uh, like that's they've decided that's the next step. Where where would you direct them or? Like whether it's online or is there something in like most communities would have, like what would you say is like a good next step if someone's made the decision, it's like, hey, we're ready to, to do this. Come see her. Yeah. <laughs> Call Kara. Um, I would say start with people that you know. Start yeah. with people that you know that have adopted or know things about adoption. Find it within your community because there's gonna be, if you talk to enough people, one out of every three or four people is touched by adoption. Whether they're adoptees, adoptive parents, birth parents, or they have somebody in their family who is one of those uh, members of the triad. So the more you talk about it, the more people you're gonna find are gonna come out of the war work. I'm sure both of you guys know mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say. Um, also, just getting back to the other myths, because I know there's three more. Yeah. that I, I, think, I just think it's um, important to like kind of nip them in the bud, because yeah. I know that all of these myths or things that, or like mm -hmm. just discuss them because sometimes they can dissuade people. Well, I think yeah. it's important because even when we tell people that we did adopt or that we, even when we're thinking about it, I, I feel, it was, some people were kind of like, almost like, why, why would you do that? Oh, like, yeah. You know, That's like, like weird. Oh, it's like, well, family. did you guys not like try to have your, it's like, exactly. well, yeah, I could, could go That's into so it, rude. but like, this is also something. People really, are so insane. I had someone tell me like, Oh, well, I mean, I just had a baby. There's no possibly, like, why would you, like, go get IVF or something. Like, why would you possibly want to bring a baby? Like, you're not going to biologically, like, like, attach, like, you're not going to, like, feel an attachment to this baby. Like, it's always going to be, like, an outsider. I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that's so not true. But I know that, I don't know if that's one Let's of your myths. Let's talk about but... the crazy shit people say. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, we, we both come from really loving families. And oddly enough, the first place that we found rejection was within our own families. Because it's hard to understand. You guys never try to get pregnant. So why would you try to adopt now? Like, why is this the path you want? Go and the all the way through, like the failed attempts at adoption. Like, yeah. why are you still doing this? Like, you know, and our families love Isaac, oh, yeah. like, to like nobody's business. But it's like but, that fear of the unknown, I think. They've never experienced adoption and never experienced families who have adoption, adopted. So, what would you have to say about that? I would say that goes into another myth, which is that people think that because you're adopting or because you aren't the owners of the genetic material of the child that you're going to have, that it's somehow going to be less than. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so not true yeah. at all. Yeah. Can I ask you, do you look like your family? No. Okay. Um, I don't not look like them so okay. much that people would say it, okay. but there's like a... Like mm. that emoji with the guy. With the, <laughs> with that, yeah, when yeah, you met on his chin. When you met your um, biological mother, did you look at her and be like, "Okay, that's I look." Did you have I some sort of look weird like thing? Her, yeah. Okay. And I and I I look more like my biological mom than my birth sisters do. So I'm the child that um, looks the most like her. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Did you, did that make, how did that make you feel? Like, did it make you feel a certain way or was it kind of just like, oh, I look like her or whatever? No, I mean, it's, look, you're, I did not grow up in a family where I looked like anyone. Mm -hmm. So that is a very specific experience. Um, and when I met them, I def I looked like them and I had mannerisms that were similar to them. 
And so in a way it was comforting, mm -hmm. but in a way it was also very odd because I don't know them, yeah. even mm -hmm. though I'm related to them. So mannerisms were even similar. Wow. That's so interesting because I've always wondered like nature versus nurture. Yeah. Like, is it like, like does Olivia do things because I do things a certain way? Cause she yeah. watches me do it like that? Or I, mean, I think it'll like, be yes and. Like, yeah. I think she'll do Probably things both. like us yeah. and yeah. things like just naturally. I mean, people say I'm like my mom all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I'm exactly like my mom. And I am in so many ways. I'm, I'm really, really similar to my mom. Okay, so now we're down to the last two myths, right? Okay, I think we're down to three, but let me see if I can remember them. So <laughs> it's impossible. You're not gonna. Oh yeah, we did. We did three. It's, yeah. it's hard um, financially. You're not gonna connect with your um, adopted child. Like biological. It? Yeah, that and the then, genetic material is yeah. somehow inferior. Um, what are the other ones? Oh, that it takes too long. Three yeah. months. Three to four months for us. <laughs> Insane. Nine, nine months. Nine months. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty well. A pregnancy, yeah. yeah. People will be like, I'm going to wait years, you know, it's going to be forever. I don't know that I have the stamina. And the reality is, if you're open enough yeah. and you're reasonable mm -hmm. in what you expect, right. I always say the length of time is directly related to how open you are. And also with, like, when you say the amount of time of what you're open to, yeah. um, when you are going into adoption... The, they ask you, like, are you okay with a birth mother smoking? Are you okay with, like, certain health issues mm -hmm. as well? Because sometimes certain families just don't have the capacity to care for a baby that has specific health needs. Yep. So that's also, I think, one of the... It's not just look-wise. No. It's like... Well, I remember like, Duran, Duran was sort of saying, like, kind of what you're saying. Like, don't feel guilty. Like, there is a family specifically, exactly. like, yeah. looking for X, Y, and Z, you know? And that might not be you at this moment. Exactly. And so that was very comforting. It was weird because at, at times, like, I can remember sitting at the desk with, like, the sheet of, like, checklist, and I was like, am I buying a car or, yeah. like, a baby? It, it felt, felt weird. I was like, is this weird. not a child we're talking about? Weird. But, yeah. I mean, there are... And how compassionate you are. No, no, <laughs> but there are... I mean, it's weird when you... But there's a baby, but there are, like... There are like legal things you have to go through, yeah. and it's like you have to check these things off. Totally, like it's just we, it's weird. And it's something yeah. that I think I I stress for people out there if you're thinking about adopting to really have an honest conversation yeah. with yeah. your partner or whoever you're adopting with, uh, um, or, or, or yourself, yourself. Yeah. Um, to really be completely honest with each other and and know like okay, are we open to this? Are we open to a baby that might have some health needs? Are we? Because we always said like. We prayed about this. We just want whatever baby is supposed to be in our family. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of had no restrictions, really. Um, and so <laughs> we're like, just whatever Three baby. Months. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's crazy. There's, it was it was just weird because I think I 100% believe Olivia was supposed to be ours. She was always meant to be ours, but we were open to any race, any ethnicity. We were like, just whatever baby is supposed to be ours. I think that is what's so weird that she looks exactly like yeah. Yeah. It's just It was just meant to be. Mm -hmm. Because you would look at your family and think, oh, they were very specific on what they wanted. Yeah, yeah but you guys are so open. Yeah. I'll never forget, I emailed you like, sorry, I'm so That's sorry. Right. You want to good. But we emailed Kara like, a month after we had met with her, we're like, hey, we just got met a birth mother. And she was like, what? <laughs> it was like the quickest adoption ever. But Melissa was like freaking through that month. Like, what's never going to happen? Like, God we've been waiting like a tank. month. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. like, what is going on? Like, I'm just like waiting for my phone to ring. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. I would love to ask you a question or bring sure. something up. Uh, as you guys mentioned, like, even in the process that we all went through mm -hmm. of adoption, you know, I remember our attorney even said, like, there are Asian 
family, like especially like every culture is so different. And like the Asian community, like there are a lot of parents who like because of their culture just feel more comfortable with adopting a child who's of some sort of Asian descent. And to your point earlier about not everyone's called to adoption, not everyone's called to you know have a uh, the go through being uh, or not go through, but the challenge of, of being a multiracial family. Some people are not called to being the parents of a special needs child. So it's definitely, and I just think it's like, it's so safe to say it's okay um, and be as open as you want to be. But I'd also say like, we're kind of, I sometimes feel like oddballs because like three months and nine months, we know families who it took them two years of like the heartache of like multiple failed adoptions. And and I don't want to say that like uh, one process is better than another, but I don't know if we want to get into this, but our attorney had like a really cool system and how he approached placing mm-hmm. families. And I just think it, it works really well. And I don't know that a lot of people do it that way. He's the only one that does it that way. Wow. His name is Durand Cook. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we're doing this. Look him up. Culver yeah. City. No, we're definitely doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we all, I mean, we've I mean, had... We've had three, one, so you guys have adopted through Durand, and we have another friend that adopted through Durand. Yeah, we, we, we refer everyone to Durand because they, he is amazing, yeah. and you worked with Durand for a while. I worked with Durand when I first graduated from law school. Yeah. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. And I, yeah, it was great. I worked with him for a couple of years, really figured out how his process worked, which really gave me the perspective to be able to do what I do now. So I always encourage people to really think about, you know, what works with them the best. It's like, it's like dating. It's like, you know, you're really bringing someone into your circle to work with them, to build your family. There's nothing that's more personal. Yes. Was there one more? There's one more myth. We're missing a myth. Yeah, we're missing a myth. And then I want to talk about the books. Okay. And then I want to talk about how people can get in touch with you, but that's sure, we'll sure. just kind of, yeah. Um, <laughs> the other myth is about open adoption. People get scared when they hear the word open adoption. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, just to kind of formalize what open adoption means, just so we have a context about what we're talking about, open adoption technically means that the parties know the identity of each other. Now, most adoptions today are open adoptions because it's been studied that it benefits everyone. It benefits the adopted child, it benefits the birth parents, and the adopted parents. But open adoption does not mean co-parenting. It does not mean that these parent, that biological parents are present in the lives of your child such that they're making huge important decisions about education or religion or any of those things. So it's not co-parenting, but it is a, um, it's more in the spirit of openness and inclusion, understanding and validating the adoptee's experience of being adopted. The fact that they have, they do have a biological family that exists that they were separated from at birth to be adopted. So it's more of a inclusive um, term and when all parties sort of operate from that spirit, I think is when it's the most successful. Is that a legal thing, open adoption versus closed adoption? It is also a legal term as well. So closed adoption obviously means that the parties don't know the identity of each other. And some people still want to do a closed adoption. Like they'll say, I want to adopt, but I'm only open to a birth parent who's okay with a closed adoption, meaning that they wouldn't know um, each other's identities. But I also, I also think, like, because people say, oh, it's an open adoption, like, do you just Olivia see her birth mother, like, every week or whatever? Like, you can make it as much as you want. Like, yeah, as open as exactly. you want Exactly. There's misconceptions the yeah. about it, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I remember, I remember uh, being scared of that. 
like it's com- it's really common to especially because like you're you know you're talking to your, to your point talking to your family about it and just so many misconceptions and like your parents being like no like you yeah. shouldn't do that yeah. and like yeah. they're gonna and, but common, I can, like, yeah. show up at your door, right? Well, I can remember Duran saying something, like, along the lines of, because you're so interconnected with these people for, mm. for a period of time. And he's like, but, you know, he's been doing it forever. He's like, they'll, they'll go back to, to their lives, and, like, and you'll go back to yours. And you're thinking at the time, like, no way. But it, it's just, I mean, obviously, he's, he's been doing it for so long, he knows. <laughs> but, like, you're so... Uh, just in the middle of it, like in the middle of the storm. You know how annoying I am. I'm like, hi, I'm here. I, I just wanted to remind you, we are here. We love you. And we just wanted to no, say hi. Like, we love you. Like, that's no, great. No, I know. I'm just kidding. Like, I'm just kidding. Like, oh my gosh, stop. You guys had like three great. hour conversations, like, you guys almost are, every look, day. You guys share a bond mm-hmm. that nobody will ever even understand at all yeah yeah it's weird because like no no one will ever like I I try to explain it even to Justin like I mean you understand but not on the same level as like I mean how like deep it goes like it's not the same relationship no um but yeah I thank you for explaining that because I think that's really important there are a lot of misconceptions about that um and you gave you offered you're not offered you suggested some good books for us to read um, yes. throughout the process. So can you give us the names of some of the ones that you yeah. suggest? Um, you know, now that we're sort of transitioning into more of a digital age, mm-hmm. adoption is like kind of keeping up a little bit, although it's like still archaic in so many ways. But um, the Nia Vardalos book about, I think it's called Instant Mom. Yes, I read that. It was so good, so helpful. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of kids' books um, that talk about adoption, but in terms of the parents, um, there's a web series, um, mm. and there's a documentary. There's two documentaries that I would recommend. Um, no, actually, good. it's on my website. One of the oh, children. What, yeah. What, oh, what, just, what is yeah. your website? Theadoptioninsider.com. Theadoptioninsider.com. Um, I know. I just remembered one of the books that tell me about the night I was born, which mm-hmm. is um, Jamie Lee Curtis's yep. uh, children's book about adoption that I read to Olivia often. Um, this is another good one. It's called The Mulberry Bird, an adoption story. Oh, cool. It's very good. Um, there's also specific books about transracial adoptive families that are great. So can we just talk a little bit about the transracial, mm-hmm. the fact that we are a transracial family, and do you have any insight or advice? I think it's a really personal thing. I mean, I think it's a decision for every family or person to make. I mean, I think it comes with um, a lot of factors and responsibilities of the parents um, that they have to be willing to you know, open their eyes to and take on as, as parents um, who are kind of leading an adoptive family that's a family um, that's transracial or multiracial. Um, there's a lot of resources, there's a lot of people um, in the community who provide like amazing wisdom, and I'm definitely not an expert in it, but I think that just being open to the resources and to the language and to the talks and discussions is really, is really the most important part. I have a a question um, that's that's related to this. No, no, it's related to this. Just for me and maybe if someone's listening in Kansas right now, like Mm -hmm. if they contact you, are are there like interstate like things or can you help them? How does that? 
Yeah, it's a good question. A lot of people, I do work with a lot of people who are outside of California, and there's some things that are very similar to adopting in California, but there are some very state-specific things because adoption ultimately is state law, so it's governed differently by every state. California is a very adoption-friendly state. Um, a lot of people who live out of state of California adopt through professionals in California, so they can actually come and work with professionals here and then, um, and then go back to their home state um, with the baby. So, um, yeah, and there's some, you know, specific to their state that I'd probably refer them, find the resources that's local to them and yeah. refer them there. But there are some um, commonalities that I could help with. Um, Kara, thank you so much. You're so welcome. I, I, I'm not even just thanking you for being here because thank you for being here, but thank you so much for our family. <laughs> like, literally, like, you created, helped create our family, and so we, we thank you. Well. Yes. I mean, we couldn't have done it. Um, and where can people find you? Because I just want to shout it off the rooftops because you're such an amazing resource for us. And I know that you will be for other people out there. Well, thank you guys for having me. And I was just a conduit to your family coming together. And I'm happy to be a part of your beautiful, beautiful, beautiful experience. Well, we love you. And so it's the adoptioninsider.com. Yep. And you can, there's a way to get in touch with me on the website directly. The, the email comes directly to me. So I respond personally to all inquiries from my website. And I think we're also going to link um, all of the, like, the, I want to link the web series that you talked about yep. that you were, we kind of got into, but we didn't get in some books that I know are um, very helpful to yeah. people too. So. Yes. Thank you, you so much. You're so welcome.